Hello to all of you, and uh, how's your July going? <laughs> Does it feel like mid-July? Yeah, it somehow feels like mid-July. Um, so how many of you are loving the heat? Yeah? How many of you not so much? <laughs> you can hang out here all day. There's air conditioning. Just spend your time in church. Um, our, our kids, uh, because we're in like a townhome, so they, they moved all the way down to the basement. And so they slept together <laughs> in the basement where it was a lot cooler. And, uh, and it's fun. You can make a little memory of it, uh, which is great. But it is, it is wild. I grew up in a place where there was always... Uh, air conditioning in Oklahoma. Like, you just cannot survive without air conditioning. And, uh, but we're trying to brave it. How many of you are still going no AC in your home? Hands up. The brave souls. There you go. Yes, we're all part of the same club. Let's see how long we can last. Um, hey, I want to thank all of you who served uh, at our Celebrate Single Moms event yesterday. It's so great. Uh, it was great to see so many of you giving up your Saturday to love your neighbor and blessing single moms in our community. So that all took place at our Aldergrove campus. And so, yeah, thank you to, to many of you who, who showed up and served. So good. Um, also, if you are new to Jesus, really grateful that there's, it's just been great. Our last two Alpha courses, um, as some of you who are on a journey, like it's just been great to have this bundle of people who are just going, we're new, we're on a journey, we're discovering who Jesus is. So I'm grateful that you're here, that you're, uh, you're exploring more about him, and we hope that today you will be drawn closer to him and to his heart for you. Um, Tanya and I were able to go on a trip uh, uh, last week uh, to, to London, where there was a national or international Alpha conference. So some of you are familiar with the Alpha course. Um, it's a course that uh, new people who are interested in Jesus can take. And uh, Alpha is offered as a course around the world. And it's just beautiful to hear stories of what God is doing all around the world. So there were 24 Canadians, and we joined 5,000 people uh, in London, just from all over the world. Um, there were people from all over Africa, Asia, Europe, North, South America. There were tons of people from Australia, um, New Zealand, but just hearing these, these incredible stories. It was really great. Also, uh, we're just so grateful that Tanya and I got to go. Um, uh, Alpha invited uh, the lead pastor of the church and also the Alpha director, whoever directs Alpha at your church. And we're like, that's us, we're married. So we got to go together. So that was great. And, um, and I'll share a few of those stories of, of things we experienced in London um, with you all here uh, in, in the next number of minutes in the sermon. But today we're in week five of a seven-week series entitled Abide, a people apprenticed to Jesus in worship. Throughout these seven weeks, we've been looking at seven different postures of worship. And my thanks to Ben and Tim, who in the past couple weeks showed us what it's like to come in worship before God, surrendered and in awe. Surrendered and in awe, two different postures of worship. Before uh, Ben and Tim spoke, the first two weeks of our series, we looked at what it's like to come before God hungry and thirsty, and to come before Him thankful, practicing thankfulness before God. So I hope that on this journey, that you're discovering what it means to follow Jesus, to be apprenticed to Jesus in worship. Now, today, as we learn to worship, we're going to focus on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. 
to come in worship filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we begin, I want to use a bit of a metaphor here. So do you remember two summers ago, I'm sure we all do, uh, the summer of 2021 and the heat dome that we had, right? This weather right now outside is reminding us of that heat dome, right? So two summers ago, the heat dome lasted from June 21st to July 1st, and it was the deadliest weather event in Canada to date. That's from a government website, so feel free to fact check me. But, but, but the BC Coroner Service confirmed that 619 uh, heat-related deaths occurred during that heat dome. 619. It's awful. June 15th, that summer, was the last day of measurable rain in Metro Vancouver for most of the summer. And by August 4th, Vancouver had managed to go 50 days without measurable rain. The end of June and all of July, no rain. And we needed rain, right? We needed the cool rain to water the parched land. We needed the refreshing presence of water to save us from the heat and the dryness. And I want to use this image uh, as a metaphor for the dryness that we're experiencing in our world today. You and I are walking through seasons where we're parched, we're dry. The secularism, our polarization, our workaholicism, our dysfunctional relationships, our materialism, it's all dry and barren land. Many of us are here today with hearts that are dry, right? Hopes that are dry, loves that have run dry. Are you here? Are you feeling parched, empty, dry, weary. If so, I think this is a good Sunday to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here because today we're going to be invited to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 5.5, we read this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love like a pitcher, big pitcher of water, has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so, Spirit of God, would you let it rain? Let it rain right now upon our hearts, our dry, weary, parched hearts, desperate need of rain. Holy Spirit, let it rain, pour out the love of God upon us and draw us near to God. Draw us close. May we see in a new way today how loved we are, how close you've come. And would that do uh, an incredible miracle in us that you would take our hearts of stone, that they would become hearts of flesh. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus stood up one day, 2,000 years ago, at a festival in the city of Jerusalem, and it was the Feast of Tabernacles, and he said this, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Living water is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. When you're reading the New Testament, as you read it, 
Just remember that that image of water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Living water, some of you are like living water. What does that mean, living, right? Water that's alive. Well, living water is capturing the idea of running water. We would use the phrase running, right? It just means moving, it's moving. And that gets the, you know, uh, gives us the idea of fresh, fresh, like a mountain stream, right? It's fresh water, it's water that is moving, running water. And so this is, this is the idea in the Bible of living water. The Holy Spirit is like moving, fresh running water to our souls. Now, if you were running in the wilderness and you had two options before you, a clear mountain stream or a pond with algae on top, right? I mean, where are you going to go? You're going you're gonna to just lap up that mountain stream water, right? Flowing down the hill. This cool, refreshing, living, running, moving water. Now, you might be new to Christianity, and you might be wondering, who is the Holy Spirit? Some of you grew up in traditions where you talked about the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. It's God. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, it's God's personal presence in us. God's personal presence coming to dwell in us. Now, when I say in us, that's massively important. And let me tell you why. Now, let me tell you something that sounds really basic, uh, but it's important for us to capture. God doesn't live in a physical building. I know most of you in the room are like, thank you, Matthew. Is this kindergarten Christianity? <laughs> but just tr track with me. This is really important. I don't, think we, I don't think we live in the reality of the power of this truth. God doesn't live in a physical building. He doesn't. It was beautiful today to see that video, Panda Vida, right? Of just worshiping under a tent, right? Outside. It's beautiful. I, I, I myself have just seen worship gatherings, you know, in different countries where I've traveled, not in a building, right? God doesn't live in a physical building, but in the ancient world, in the ancient world, people believed that the gods lived in the temple, right? If you want to visit the gods, go to the building. You and I, it's actually interesting, we love to go to beautiful buildings, right? Tanya and I in London got a chance to go to St. Paul's Cathedral. And we paid too much money to go to church. That's it. They're charging a lot. They say, well, it goes to the beautification of the building. Okay, right? It's like pay to go to church. But we went in with all the tourists and we're walking around. How many of you have been to St. Paul's? You've been to St. Paul's? Any of you? Just a couple of you? Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. And you're walking around and you're seeing this building. Christopher Wren built it took him decades to build, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's shaped in the form of a cross, right? Like many, many cathedrals are shaped in the, in the shape of a cross. And right in the middle, we were almost, Tanya and I were walking around, and I was just like jaw dropped. I was just like, whoa, this is unreal. And I'm like looking up, and there's paintings on the ceiling, and gold, and you're just thinking of all the people who've worshipped in this beautiful cathedral and the engineering. By the way, any of you who are engineers, check out St. Paul's Cathedral. They didn't have the engineering in Europe at the time to build that dome. They had to invent it. 
uh, just to build the dome. It's just crazy. And we're standing there in the middle of this building. And it was like, oh, just sensing the nearness of God. And then Tanya kind of strolls up. And I think she had had enough of uh, us being in this cathedral. And I was like, isn't this amazing? Wouldn't you want to worship here? And she was like, no, I like our building. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you looking around? And I was like, what, what is she talking about? What? And I realized, I was like, she loves our building because she loves us. <laughs> it's this family, right? This is family. This, this is the church, right? Um, right now, just, I know it's awkward. Look left and now look right. That's the church. <laughs> That's the church. You're looking at the church, right? That's the church. And so why does Tanya like this building? Well, because you're here. We're here, right? This is, this is a special place because we're here. And there's a story about uh, Jesus encountering a woman at a well in a Samaritan village. And remember, Jews and Samaritans hated one another. If you're new to the Bible, you just need to know Jews and Samaritans were enemies. And both Jews and Samaritans believed that God lived in a temple. The only problem was they believed that God lived in their own temple, not the temple of their enemy, right? And so Jews and Samaritans uh, had this belief. Jews believed that God lived in Jerusalem in the temple on Mount Zion, and Samaritans believed that God dwelt in their own temple at Mount Gerizim. Gerizim was the place where Abraham had first set up an altar to the Lord, and Jews had actually gone to burn down the temple at Mount Gerizim. So there was a temple war happening at the time of Jesus, right? You have our, we have ourselves a worship war, right, happening. But Jesus meets this woman who's been marginalized at a well, and he tells her something that has changed the world for 2,000 years. He says this, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. As we do this series on worship, what are the kinds of worshipers that the Father is seeking? Those who worship in the Spirit and in the truth. Right? So Jesus is saying this time is coming, a time is coming when it won't be about worship on this mountain in that building or this mountain in that building. No more mountain worship, right? We're done with that. Worship is no longer going to be about bricks and mortar buildings. The time is coming, has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So worship is no longer centered on physical buildings. To worship is to see that God longs to live in us, in us. Some of you will remember the moment when Jesus died on the cross this massive curtain that separated humanity from God in the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain is torn in two. Jesus' death splits this curtain in two, and God now no longer lives behind a curtain, but now has come to dwell in us, in you. 
Now, let's, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into this. So the building that God is building is not a physical structure. It's a spiritual house. Listen to the Apostle Peter talk about Jesus building this spiritual house. And he talks about Jesus as a, as a living stone. Check this out. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter is reminding the church that the temple of God is is a building that is made of living stones. Think about that for a second, like stones that are alive. Whoa, (laughs) it's like, what does that mean? Well, it's human lives. You are a living stone, right? Stones that are alive, that's each of you, are being built together to become a spiritual house. Jesus is the living stone And then kind of upon him and around him, all of these other stones into the spiritual house. No more bricks and mortar. It's a temple made of people. People. Now, listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. In him, that's Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what is the building that God is building? It's a? Oh no, are you asleep? Oh no, I lost you. What is it? What's the building? It's you. It's it's a temple. Yeah, it's a temple. That's right. It's a temple. It rises to become a holy, is the verse still up there? Can you put the verse back up? It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then look at the end. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling for which God lives by his spirit. You're the temple. We're the temple, right? This is where God has chosen to live in us. In the ancient temple, there were four layers of access. Some of you are familiar with this. If you, if you would have traveled to the ancient temple in Jerusalem, there were four courts. So there's the court of the Gentiles. That's anyone who's non-Jewish. They were only allowed a certain distance into the temple. Then the court of women, the court of priests. And then there was this one section in the heart of the temple, which was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the most sacred place of the temple. And it was a place that was only entered once a year by the high priest. He would enter into the Holy of Holies. But inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant were these two winged creatures, these seraphim or cherubim or something, they're beautiful winged creatures. And in the middle was an empty space, and that was called the mercy seat. And it was right there in that empty space where God dwelt. This is where, this is the presence of God, right there. Now that's important to remember because that in Greek is the naos, naos. But there were a couple words for temple. Hieon was the whole temple, but naos was the holy of holies. 
Now, if you go back to the verse we just read, where Paul says we're being built into something, we're not being built into Heion, the whole temple. We're being built to become a naos, the naos. What does that mean? That you and I together are being built to become the holy of holies. We're the ho- we, we are now the place where God dwells. We are now the place where the mercy seat is, in the middle of the church, a building made up of living stones. Are you catching this? This, this, is, this is so important as we learn to worship. When we were at the Alpha Conference, there was a woman. Uh, there's, there were 5,000 of us at this conference, but they said, put your phones away. You cannot record this next section. So all phones went down, and this woman got up, and she had a translator. She, she's from North Korea, and she had a Korean translator, and we heard her story. She had been imprisoned three times because of her faith in Jesus, simply for being a Christian. And she told us her story, how when she was uh, captured, she was electrocuted, she was beaten, and while she was in prison for her faith, she found that God gave her an opportunity to share her faith with prisoners. And slowly, a number of prisoners began to give their lives to Jesus. And she became a pastor in prison. But the only place they could meet um, was the place where no one wanted to be in the prison, which was the toilets. It, it smelled so awful. But they found that they took a... They, they paused when people went to the bathroom, and then when people left, they were able to continue their prayers of worship. She found that God gave her a church of prison converts gathered around a toilet in a North Korean prison. And it was like God was there. God was meeting them there. And it dawned on me as I heard her speak that the, that the toilet in a North Korean prison had become the Holy of Holies that a toilet in the North Korean prison became the mercy seat of God as these few believers gathered around to offer their worship and prayers in prison. See, the Spirit of God has promised to be with his people. He's with us. He's in us. And if that's true, what does it mean? Well, N.T. Wright says it this way. He says that this means that God's refreshing personal presence has come to live in us. That God's refreshing personal presence has come to live in you. Jesus, again, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I've mentioned this to you before, but the verbs in this passage are actually in the present tense. So it's thirsting. If anyone is thirsting, They can keep coming and drinking as they keep believing, right? So this is not a one-time thing only. It is a keep coming and keep drinking in the presence of God. Keep drinking in. When you say, come Holy Spirit, you're saying, God, please refresh me. I'm so dry. I feel empty. I want you to come fill me with your Holy Spirit. So keep coming. Keep drinking in the Spirit. And, And as I mentioned before, this is like hobbits, How many of you are fans of Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings fans? 
Okay, how many times do hobbits eat in a day? Seven. Seven. They eat breakfast, second breakfast, 11 seats, that's right, luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, supper, right? I love how they have a dinner and a supper. That's beautiful. Seven meals a day. They keep eating. They keep drinking. (laughs) It's ongoing throughout the day. This is what a day in the Spirit looks like. It is come, Holy Spirit. Fill me. I need you. I want to keep drinking you in. You're refreshing presence with us. We need you closer than ever before. Fill me with your love, right? Go on continuing to drink in the Spirit. And Paul says this. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to... Now, just pause. Listen to the worship. When you're filled with the Spirit, listen to the worship. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the praise. Look at the worship, right? Paul is saying, instead of being controlled by alcohol, allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your life. And you'll find that when he takes control, he sets you free. See, God, when God takes control, see, we're afraid of someone being in control of our lives, right? Well, that's because all, all of our examples are earthly fallen examples of people who, who were controlling in our lives. But the beautiful thing about God is that when we give our life over to him, when he takes full control, it's like our chains are set free. There's this freedom. And in this freedom, he pours his love into our hearts. He is the spirit of love, right? Remember Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Again, picture a big pitcher of water just dumped out upon you, upon me, upon us. And then we're filled with the love of God. And it leads to singing. Whenever we're filled with the love of God, it leads to singing, right? Once we realize we are loved, we sing. When you and I see the cross and see how loved we are, we sing. And so what does the Spirit do? You're wondering, like, what what is he actually doing? Well, he's taking, he's taking head knowledge that we have, and he's converting it to heart knowledge, if I could say it that way. He's taking head knowledge, which I think is very important, right? I think head knowledge is very important about who God is. But it's about the cross, it's about the resurrection, it's about truths from the Bible. The Spirit takes all of that and moves it from head to heart. Intellectual thoughts about God become truths that become real to us today. They become personal to us. They have a transformative power in us. It's no longer 2,000 years ago Jesus said these things. It's like Jesus is saying these things to me right now and my heart is exploding, right? In a good way. Good explosions, (laughs) you know, right? It's happening now. Ezekiel 36 There was a prophecy that one day God would give us a new spirit and that he would take our hearts of stone and that they would become hearts of flesh. What does that mean? Soft again. Soft again. I would ask you, 
Is your heart slowly becoming petrified, or is your stone-petrified heart slowly softening, becoming tender to the work of God? How you know this is happening is a deeper love of neighbor and a deeper love for the Lord. Where's your heart at? And don't be discouraged if you would describe yourself more in the petrified, harder place. That's why you're here today. You're here to pray, Holy Spirit, come, make me tender again. Holy Spirit, come, fill me with your love. Take this heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. When God pours his love into us, we have a soft heart, we're healed. I love the Stevie Wonder song, I just called to say I love you, right? Today, with your moms, just call them. And they'll be like, why are you calling me? I mean, I know it's Mother White Guy. You say, I just called to say I love you. I just called to say I love you. Can you guys join me? I just called to say how much I care. I just called Mm. Let's, let's just let's, let's stay in that place. That is a good place. You guys are good. You're way better than the first service. First service was struggling. Yeah, that's good. When you love someone, you have to say it. Okay? You just have to say it. You have to call and say it. Right? So call your mom. We call and we say it. And this is why we say, King Jesus, we love you. We're here to just say, King Jesus, we love you. A lot of the language of like, I went to church, I didn't get much out of it. Be interesting, just catch your language with that, right? Actually, I showed up in church to tell you I love you. And I joined with all the other living stones and we're just here to tell you we love you. That's why we're here. Because we can, it, just you know, I'm the, I'm the worst offender. <laughs> we show up to Christian places of worship and we're like, so what am I getting out of this, right? It's a, it's a consumer thing, right? It's, we're a consumer, right? So is this worth my time? Is this worth, you yeah. So we come as consumers, but what if we flip that and we said we are so thankful for these hearts of flesh, hearts of stone that have become hearts of flesh, and we're just here. We just called to say we love you. That's what worship is. We just called to say we care deeply about you, Jesus, and your kingdom. We love you, right? That's why we're here. We're here to love you, to lift up your name, and to thank you for this love you've poured into our hearts. Now, this, this can happen in difficult moments, too. This can happen in difficult moments. I don't want, I mean to say it's all feeling-based feeling Christianity. Not at all. I, I would like to welcome you to next week, next week, week six of our series. Um, I'm going to talk about lament. Lament. What do you do when you feel disappointed by God, when you feel alone? When you feel like you've got a broken heart and you feel God is far away, what do you do then? How do you worship? Well, good news, the Bible has lots of examples of how to come to God from an empty place, right? Totally empty place. And so you can join us next week. We're going to unpack lament, what it means to worship with lament. But, but here's the deal. I, I, all I want us to do today is to see how close God has come to us. And I want to say it this way. If I'm the place where God wants to be, 
that changes me. If I'm the place that God wants to be, that changes me. Right? In a world of loneliness, in a room filled with many of us who've been rejected, right? people have turned from us, the God of the universe wants to be with you. Right? You're the place where God wants to be. You're the place where God wants to be. And that puts a new song on my lips, right? No matter how I'm feeling, it puts a new song on my lips. Because if I carry around a sense of bitter resentment, it begins to control me, right? But if I carry around, King Jesus, we love you, for we have been loved, changes my day, right? I can carry around anger towards my boss or worry about the future or financial fears and all of that will like control me and it, cha- and it shapes my day. But then if I carry around in my heart, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. It changes my day, right? It's different. When we're filled with the Spirit, we encounter the exact same challenges in life, but the, but the heart is singing songs of praise, and we are reoriented to God's love again. Songs of praise are an ongoing reminder that I am not part of this world, that I'm part of a different kingdom. As Gordon Fee says, where the Spirit of God is, there is also singing. When we were in London, Uh, one of the churches we visited was a church in East London called Saint Church in Hackney. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. There were about 300 or so, two to 300 pastors and Christian leaders, and we were all worshiping together. And uh, the band that was leading us in worship walked off the stage. And the two to 300 of us, uh, the voices kept singing. It was a beautiful experience. It kept going for a long time. And we were singing these words. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And it's quite striking when there's no one on stage. I don't know if you've been in a moment like that where you're worshiping and there's no one there. And you're reminded that you're singing this to the king of kings, right? A little, a moment ago, when we were singing these songs of praise, holy, 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 or what a beautiful name it is, and there was that pause and you could hear each other sing, right? You were hearing the living stones around you singing praise. You had become the holy of holies where God dwells by his presence, in his presence, right? This is, this is where God wants to be. You are where God wants to be. So I would just say to, to you this, are you coming parched? Are you in need of God's personal refreshing presence? Are you walking into this place in shame, tempted, frustrated, lonely, fearful? 
He looks at you. He sees you. He says, I want to live in you. I want to be near you. And some of you who are new to Jesus, this, what does it mean to become a Christian? It's to say, I surrender. Come. Come live in me. I give you my life. Some of you who are new to Jesus, you might just want to pray that today as we're worshiping. God, would you come in? I give my life over to you. And then you become one other living stone that is part of this temple that God is building. Jesus has his arms wide open and he says, come to me and I'll give you living water. Revelation 22, we read this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Will you stand with me, Northangley? Our prayer teams are going to be gathered up front here. I would encourage you, take advantage of this moment. Come forward and receive prayer. There's great teams would love to pray for you. And you just say, I'm, I'm coming because I want more of you, God. That's it. That's the invitation for prayer today. God, I need you. I want more of you. Would you fill me with your love? If you're feeling dry, empty, just would you come forward? Our prayer team would love to pray for you up front. Our prayer team is in the prayer room as well. And the second thing I would say is, would you join us at our Abide Nights? We have three more. Every Wednesday night, we're worshiping together. And this week, it'll be at our Aldergrove campus. And all we're going to do is we're going to gather together like living stones, and we're going to become the naos, a place where God dwells by his spirit. And we're going to ask him to come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with his love. And we're going to do that right now as well. So if you want, could you close your eyes? If you, no pressure, but... If you're willing, close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable, put out your hands in the posture of receiving. Just receiving from the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. With hands open, you see your people and we're ready to receive your love. Would you pour out your love upon us? We're, we're a people who are parched, we're dry, we're weary, we're empty, and we need your refreshing presence. Northlingly, as you offer up your hands outstretched, just remember, God's delighted to see that. And he wants to live in us. He doesn't have to. He wants to. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Lord, as we receive your love, would you put a song of praise upon our lips? <laughs>